0: Hi everyone and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Content Manager at Goodlord uh, and today we'll be taking a look at consumer choice and how that fits into the lettings industry at large. To help me on that topic, I'm joined today by Ben Greck, CEO of Reposit. So welcome to the podcast, Ben.
1: Hi Susie, thanks. Yeah, pleasure to be here.
0: So before we launch into today's topic and uh, delve into, into that in a bit more detail, I'll uh, leave you, if you wouldn't mind, just to give yourself a quick introduction, tell us a bit about you and a bit about Reposit.
1: Sure. So Reposit is the leading deposit alternative provider in the UK. We work with pretty much anybody who lets a property in the UK so we can work with big corporate agents, build to rent firms, private landlords with portfolios of of properties they manage as well and we've been doing this since 2016 we were the first uh, in the uk to to launch uh, such a product and really focus on it and we've been focused on that ever since
0: fantastic and i suppose that obviously then we're talking about in this context when we talk about consumers uh, talking about consumer choice we are talking about tenants when it comes to letting so it makes sense to, <laughs> that we're going to be discussing this topic together today to kick off i suppose that the first thing that we should cover then really is what consumer choices so um, if I could ask you I mean what, what would you say consumer choices how are we going to relate that to uh, to lettings today
1: yeah absolutely I mean I think very simply consumer choice is you know reflective of consumer preferences and what uh, consumers in this case tenants or even landlords are choosing to do choosing to buy in the context of their overall budget. Um, and how that might be influenced by other external factors as well. So I think one of the reasons that we are bringing this topic today is due to the cost of living crisis, everything that's going on with energy prices, just coming out of the COVID pandemic, um, and also changing regulation. There's lots going on in the industry at the moment that is impacting consumer choice.
0: No, you're right, and obviously, as you say, because it is affected by external activities, I suppose, and circumstances, it is something which is constantly evolving. But I think that uh, for the purposes of today's uh, conversation, I think it'd be quite interesting to delve into some of those things that are having an effect on on consumer on tenant choices. And obviously, yeah, obviously that would be interesting for letting agents and landlords to understand because just being able to put themselves in the in the shoes of tenants and understand exactly why they're perhaps making the choices that they're making at the minute. For off I mean you obviously went through a list there so let's delve into one of them first. I mean COVID-19, um yeah obviously the pandemic is we're sort of out of it now but at the same time it did have quite a quite an impact on the way that everybody lived and worked and so on. Um, I mean what would you say has affected tenant choice um from that and do you think it's still affecting tenant choice? Is it caused trends which have continued?
1: Yeah I think that's that's really interesting. And there are definitely two aspects of this there's you know the during the pandemic immediate impact uh, that that had um, with the lockdowns and the government measures that were being implemented and how that was affecting consumer choice and in fact consumers ability to choose and I think what we saw there was of course a partial closure of the industry really and also um, not just forced by government regulation but actually by consumer preferences, a lot of people at the time were very scared about what was going on um, and didn't want to go and do viewings. They didn't want to, um, you know, even leave their houses at some point, you know, when it was all first unravelling. So that obviously had the immediate impact of slowing down new lets. And I think that's actually had a uh, an impact on the seasonality that we've seen in the industry now, because a lot of um, new lets were were stifled, if you like, and they they were slow. People stayed in their current accommodation for longer, waited to make that change until things eased up. And so we saw sort of shifts in the seasonality of the letting industry, although I think that's levelling out now. Um, obviously, people being forced to work at home, people looking for entertainment and things to occupy their time and therefore the, the rise of uh, the increase in pets at home. And also people actually saving and, you know, Reposit had a really interesting perspective on on this whole change because, you know, for our business, of course, it's, uh, it's important to understand, you know, the risks to the overall tenancies in the UK, whether that might be rent arrears or other factors. And there was a concern that, you know, this is going to cause an increase in claims due to rent arrears and so forth. But actually what we saw was tenants building up cash. Um, in their bank account during this time because they effectively had nowhere to spend their money. And um, so people were you know, at home working, earning and saving. And so we actually saw an increase in, in saving rates. And I think that actually had positive impacts on uh, people's budgets at the time. Um, so I think that was the sort of immediate thing. And then the things that have had a long ongoing impact um, has been this trend in working from home. We've definitely seen a shift there. So whereas before the pandemic, the idea of remote working was reserved to the most forward thinking companies or it was really looked at as a niche. Everyone else was going to the office. Whereas nowadays, if you don't have a remote working policy, it's a bit, you know, you either have a reason for that because of the nature of your business or you're just behind the times, you know, and that's going to be a real issue for you for recruitment and so forth. So I think, you know, a lot of people are now working from home and either you know fully or one or two days a week more than they would and that's definitely having an impact on what tenants are now looking for whether that's you know an extra study space or outside space uh, whatever it might be um and then finally of course pets and this has been a topic i think it was covered in the government white paper from the of the renters reform bill and looking at you know the fact that more tenants have pets and are hoping not to be discriminated against for having pets and what sort of solutions um, are going to come into the to the market as a result of that as well.
0: Uh, It's it's quite incredible how uh, you know a single event obviously it lasted for quite a while but how much that one event has had such an impact on consumer choice and you could arguably say that for tenants in particular during that time because the demand perhaps wasn't as high prices started to dip a little bit at that time they were looking for for new things such as they had new pets, and they hadn't had those before. And they were looking perhaps to move a little bit outside of cities and things because they were working from home in a different way. Um, It's incredible how those preferences changed. But as you say, the budgetary side of things changed, and it just had a complete long term transition, (laughs) as it were, in terms of what those tenants are looking for, and how much choice that they have, I suppose, because these things weren't necessarily quite as popular before. So all of a sudden, it's just broadened the horizons of what tenants uh, might want to buy into.
1: Yeah, I think so, and um, I think one sector of the market that's had a perhaps a benefit of this is the build-to-rent sector. Um, you're looking at accommodations that have are complete with full set of facilities, whether it be gyms, working areas, you know, literally co-working spaces, um, breakout lounges, you know, re- rooftop bars, and things like this, and You know, they've really got a lot of the package of what people might be looking for. So I I think that sector, whilst obviously it might have been an issue during the pandemic, has seen a benefit um, from, from this change as well.
0: No, completely. I guess it's that social side of things as well that's sometimes associated with it. It's, uh, as you say, it's, it's interesting because obviously it does show how important it is to monitor these trends because especially for letting agents, for example, if you're looking for the next opportunities, if you can look at the consumer trends, see where they those are heading in terms of the budgetary requirements as well as the new preferences might be on the horizon. Um, you yeah. can perhaps get ahead of the fold really and realize that our perhaps build to rent is, is going to continue to grow. Maybe we should, uh, um, you know diversify and, and look into that area it just releases new
1: opportunities really absolutely and you know I think let's not forget as well the build to rent trend whilst it still represents a relatively small portion of the overall lettings market that's a trend that's been going on for a long time um, already and you know with increasing investments and pipelines of rooms and so forth so I think it's probably just been accelerated by by COVID um, and it's certainly I mean it's certainly one of the you know significant trends that are going on today.
0: Completely Um, and I suppose on the so to a certain extent on the other end of the scale when we're talking about the pandemic people did perhaps not not everybody obviously but um, a lot of people did manage to save i guess that so the cost of living crisis is sort of the other end of the scale where that's restricted that ability of tenants to save it's perhaps put more pressure on their finances than than the pandemic did as i say not not for everybody um to sort of split that out into into two uh, two groups how would you say that the cost of living crisis has has affected consumer choice
1: yeah, well, this is a really interesting one. Of course, budgets are getting squeezed, you know, to an unprecedented level. I mean, you know, energy price rises are huge and having a, a massive impact on, on what people can afford uh, to, to do with their money, including renting, you know, and, and what rent levels they're looking at. What's really interesting about this is we might even see almost, a, uh, could this be the the return to the office? Because, you know, what makes you know, home working expensive is you're going to be using a lot more energy, whether that's, you know, you're going to need faster Wi-Fi, you're going to be needing to heat your house more during the day, you know, obviously you're going to be using appliances more and that's going to really impact people's budgets, you know, especially the younger generation and are therefore that group of people who I think are actually more inclined to want to go to the office anyway because they're looking for that social aspect at work as well. Are they going to be even more inclined to actually want to go back to the office? And will we see? I think that for me is is one to watch. I mean, will we see partly as a as a cause, as a sorry, as a as a result of the cost of living and energy price increases, an increased appetite for people to actually return to work, return to the office? Um, so I think that's definitely one to watch going going forward.
0: No, again, that, that's, that's a very interesting point. And obviously that in itself would presumably have an impact on tenant movement, you know, where they perhaps choose to invest, invest more. Will we perhaps see, I mean, obviously we've already seen people returning to cities and, and things like that, but are we going to see people wanting to move away from the commuter belt to move back into, back into cities to be a little bit closer to the office? It will be interesting to see where those trends take us.
1: Yeah, possibly. I mean, I would, I would probably say that you wouldn't see, I mean, look, we're already seeing a, a reversion back to city centres. And I think some of the, when we look at rent price inflation, OK, which is a really interesting area, I think we're probably going to talk about that a bit more. But obviously, you know, when you look at overall inflation, what is one of the major drivers of inflation? It's actually rent rent inflation, right? So that's a really important point. Um, we've already seen London rents, you know, city centre rents ramping up, you know, in some areas faster than their kind of rural equivalents. And that is partly driven to this return back to the city, which is kind of already happening. Having said that, I do think you're still going to see more interest in the kind of more suburban and rural areas, of the peripheries of cities remaining, because you know, even if people do want to go back to the office, maybe they just would rather go back three days a week. There's still a strong element of preference for actually the convenience of being at home as well. So whilst it might be a return to the office, you know, I, I really find it hard to believe we'll see a wholesale shift back to five days a week in the office every day. Um, and that will probably still keep the, the appeal of more sort of rural and some sort of peripheral areas uh, still high.
0: And when we're talking about the fact that this trend, uh, these predictions, at least for these trends, um, it comes out of perhaps budgets being squeezed. How do you see tenants attitudes towards value in what they're buying, which is obviously very intrinsically linked with this concept of consumer choices? It's it's that balance of getting what they want versus what they can afford, I suppose. How do you see do you see any kind of changing Mm -hmm. trends in terms of, yeah, like I say, that that value that uh, that tenants are looking for?
1: Yeah, well, that's a that's a very good question. And I think at the moment, there's probably little room for for tenant wants. And I think it's becoming much more focused on the importance of needs, like basic needs. And I'm not when I say basic needs, I'm also referring to like, if you are working at home, you do need space for a desk, you know, and the chair and 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 so forth. So I think in today's market, when rent prices are really rapidly increasing, energy costs are rapidly rapidly increasing, budgets are being squeezed. I think you know some of the more um, discretionary elements of what tenants might want and what they might opt for are being sidelined, and the core you know basics of I need you know a bedroom and I need a study and I need a clean and you know tidy house. Are being more prioritized. And I think we can't take that away because of course it's important for tenants to have good choice of, of properties that they can they can live in that suits their lifestyle, suits their needs, and so forth. But the main driver of choice is supply availability. And what have we been hearing over the last, you know, 18, 24 months is like even longer, maybe, is like supply is getting squeezed because of regulation you know, tax changes for landlords not being able to deduct mortgage costs, people buy to let landlords exiting the market, Um, now increasing regulation, making it even harder, you know, coupled with these external factors, such as, you know, obviously, the Ukraine war, COVID, pushing us into an inflationary economy where rents are just climbing higher and higher. And I think we we are in a pinch point, and I think um, tenants' needs are, in, or tenant, tenants' tenants' preferences are, you know, being squeezed.
0: No, completely. As you say, it, so when you list it like that, there are just so many factors to consider and so many things that do feed into to this concept of consumer choice and what affects what what tenants can choose, Um, you know, the, the availability of that choice, I suppose. I mean, obviously, one of the key things that you picked up on there is, is the fact that uh, regulation in and of itself, that that does affect consumer choice. You know, it, it just changed the landscape, particularly in lettings. There is a lot of uh, legislation, regulations um out there. A lot of it aimed to give tenants more and and more uh, better quality homes, which is obviously a very commendable goal. And it is what tenants want, what everybody renting wants. But I mean, let's take a look at some of the government policies that are coming into play, and perhaps actually let's take a step back and look at look at some that have already come into play, and see perhaps how they they've already changed um, consumer choice. I mean, the Tenant Fees Act, for example, um, yeah. obviously that came that came into force in 2019. Um, yeah. So we've had a few years to to get used to it. I think that letting agents and landlords to a certain extent are now used to, used to that being in place. But I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of impact did that have at that time on on consumer choice?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tenant Tenant Fees Act is a really interesting case study, I think. The the long and short of it is that that actually, I think, harmed in many ways, um, the level of service that tenants were getting. You've got a policy here that is obviously aimed at the right goal, and it has the right intentions. And we all want a fairer kind of better market with more choice for all like we're all shooting for that it's just a question of how you get there and I think we've seen a tendency from government to implement sort of crowd-pleasing policies versus policies that can actually really create sort of sustainable long-term positive change um, and in that in that to do that you have to go with the economic drivers you can't you can't you know ignore those elements of it and you know in order to give tenants more choice and have happier tenants with higher quality accommodation for a better price you need to encourage supply into the market right and and so i think we've seen government policy that has maybe put a plaster over the cracks you know they've they've solved the immediate issue oh you know tenants are getting charged left right and center for inventories and referencing and contract fees and this and that and the other and this is not on and we need to reduce that fine i understand perhaps some of those charges were unfair um but what you're doing in in getting rid of those and, and banning banning the the ability of agents to charge those fees is you're saying to the agent the tenant is no longer your customer okay so so actually your customer is only the landlord and before, whereas the agent might have felt a bit of an obligation towards the tenant because they are providing them with products and services and so on, they may no longer feel that way and, and be more just on, in the landlord's camp. And I think tenants will, will feel, unfortunately, the, the consequences of that. So I think that's one of the key uh, implications. And, you know, a lot of agents lost a lot of revenue in a very short period of time due to the, the tenant fees act. And that squeezes their business and that pushes, where do they go? If they cannot monetize tenants in the same way that they used to be able to, they have to monetize landlords. And if, if landlords are getting you know, pushed for a higher percentage on the fee or whatnot, where does that go? That ends up back on rents, you know? So that just gets passed back to the tenants in the long run. So you just have these unintended consequences. And I think what's maybe a, a bit of a shame with regards to the government policy is that it's been more focused on plastering cracks and, and pleasing crowds of voters, perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm not a political expert, so I'm, I'm sure you might be able to sort of have some further comments on that, but um, that's the appearance anyway, to, to actors in the industry, where it could be much more focused on saying, okay, you know, how can we actually make this market better for landlords? So they're actually, you know, you know, more encouraged to participate uh, and, and get the fair benefit from investing and providing accommodation. Um, and through that increased supply, we actually create a more competitive market for landlords. And then landlords have to be better to win the tenants that they want. And then that is, is a, I think, a more sustainable way to, to create the sort of change uh, that we're looking for in the industry. So I think the Tenants Fee Act has kind of forced some responses from the industry which um, perhaps has actually exacerbated the problem of rising rents at the moment. Um, And, you know, that, that can be a problem. I would
0: just say though that in terms of uh, letting agents fees and so on where can they turn to sort of uh, balance that a little bit more there are certain platforms that that help with efficiencies and so on just a little plug for good lord um yeah Absolutely. and that they, those also help with uh, with creating a better t- experience for tenants anyway so it's i'd like to think the good lords bringing that consumer choice back into back into the fold as well
1: <laughs> uh, that's 100% the point and when you have this multiplicity of factors you know squeezing an industry and it's like almost like where do you go right for to to enable you know agents to offer operate profitably to make enable landlords to make a decent return on their investment to enable tenants to have you know the supply and the choice that they want you know how do you get that in this environment and i think the answer is product innovation um and i think you're absolutely right you know good lord does a lot of great work um in in actually uh you know creating opportunity in this area making processes more efficient you know offering added value products that really you know really do work um and I you know pro- provide great value to the customers and then obviously revenue opportunities as well of course reposit being one of them um where you know we're basically saying look give the tenants an option give them a choice you know and if they choose um to 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 opt for a deposit or another you know similar uh, product then yes you can earn a commission off that and i think a lot of people do um maybe i sort of digress slightly a lot of people feel like commission is a bit of a dirty word um and you know they kind of shy away from it and you know there's been a push to for agents to you know make it clear and transparent where they're earning commissions and i think in the in the consumer mindset it, it is a little bit like, oh, I bet you're making a commission from that kind of thing, a bit of a negative thing. But I think what's important, and is often forgotten, is that if agents were not distributing these products, you know, and firms like Good Lord were not distributing these products directly, the, the, the firms that are providing these products would have to spend the same amount of money paying to Google or Facebook or other marketing channels to actually acquire customers. Every business has marketing costs. Right. And that's all a commission is. And actually, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think getting rid of commissions or getting rid of that incentive is not going to reduce prices for customers. Um, So I think I think there does need to be a bit of a a shift and a bit of an acceptance that actually, you know, that's actually fair play. You know, and and the consumer is no worse off for the fact that an agent is, is earning a commission on these products.
0: And at the end of the day, it is literally the consumer's choice. It's a, you know, they don't have to say yes to these things, but at least they have the option, like you said. So um Absolutely. it makes complete sense. So it's, again, yet another opportunity that letting agents can be looking at across the board in this, by looking at trends around consumer choice, take a look and say, okay, what what do we think are, our tenants are looking for right now how can we help them how can we make this a a win-win situation as well so I I think it's a yeah a very good a very good point there
1: yeah Um, exactly and I think you know the the products that come out of these they are innovations they are like pushing the the boundaries of of technology or you know other aspects to to really create value so sometimes these things you know it's like too good to be true but it's not it's actually the the forces at play in the market has kind of created the opportunity and the demand for these sorts of products and they're often actually very good products obviously with Reposits you know effectively what we're what we're enabling is moving the burden of that cash deposit from a consumer balance sheet which is obviously you know the consumer balance sheet has a high cost of capital right they're they're going to be paying you know 10 15 20 percent on short-term loans and and we're moving it off them because 50 percent of cash deposits are borrowed from borrowed money and actually over to effectively an insurer, like an A plus rated insurer balance sheet who whose cost of capital is, is just much, much cheaper. Um, and that's how we're able to create this efficiency and create a win, win, win for the tenant, for the landlord and for the agent. So, you know, these are these are fundamental changes, fundamental innovations that are really bringing value and choice to the market.
0: And it's actually quite an interesting point to pick up on because obviously when we're talking about regulation within the industry, the Renters Reform Bill is quite unavoidable at the moment. It's one of those big topics and it's expected to be introduced this year. Um, And part of that is lifetime deposits. And originally, that was quite a big point of when the Renters' Reform Bill was first announced. And obviously, in the more recent white paper in June last year, it was um, highlighted as something that the government is going to monitor and is going to look at, but they was going to follow what was going on in the market as opposed to necessarily looking to create something itself. So it, it does show the the importance of that kind of innovation and for the market to actually look to provide those solutions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the government, you know, has re- recognised the problem in, in cash deposits, you know, that it, it creates a, an affordability pinch point, right? So the tenant it creates an issue. As I referenced earlier, a lot of the cash deposits are actually borrowed Um, From friends, family, overdrafts, credit cards, so forth. So, you know, it's no real benefit for the landlord. Landlords think they're getting that cash, and okay, great. The tenant can afford a cash deposit; they're a good tenant. But it's actually not necessarily the case. They're they're a lot of the time having to borrow that money, and therefore, in a worse financial situation when they're actually moving into the property, than if they didn't have to do that. And you know, as we know, of course, you know, referencing good, good quality referencing is is actually the best way to assess you know a tenant's. suitability for, for a property but I think you know the government has recognized this issue and let's not forget that the UK in this space is probably one of the most regulated markets you know in Europe you know if you look at other countries there's no similar cap on cash deposits you know countries like Germany you're going to be paying three months of cash deposit Italy you're going to be paying two months Spain the same you know so um, it's interesting that the government has tried to sort of step in but by actually kind of Capping cash deposits, they've created issues for the landlord side, and so they've been looking at you know how they can solve this and and tread this fine line between you know doing something that's kind of fair for the tenants but also makes sense for the landlord side. Um, and I think they've seen that yes, okay, lifetime deposits was floated as a concept, an interesting idea. potential solution but to roll that out in the industry is a huge undertaking very very complex and i think that was perhaps you know underestimated or once they looked into it they found that was difficult and they've seen the products that are available in in the private market and recognized that actually these products are are good they create a great alternative and if you look over to the u.s some states over there have actually mandated this choice so at the moment in the uk we're in a position where um you must if you are offering a deposit alternative it has to be offered alongside the option of a cash deposit so it must be a present the tenant must be presented with that choice but in the us they've kind of gone the other way and say you have to offer a deposit alternative option alongside a cash deposit um because they see the, the value um for the tenants and for the land Um, in presenting this option as an alternative so i think the government in the uk has sort of recognized that they've seen that good things are happening and actually if they keep an eye on this industry and make sure things are being done properly and the firms are appropriately regulated um, and conducting their business in the right way then actually it's something to be encouraged because it is in favor of consumer choice
0: I think that one of the other one of the other pieces of legislation obviously there are a lot that we could cover as well but um one of the other key ones which is very important right now particularly in, con- in the context of the cost of living crisis is these proposed changes to EPC ratings uh, whereby uh, landlords will be expected to upgrade their properties to an EPC band C uh, on yep. new tenancies by 2025. Is the proposed current date? Obviously, we're awaiting any sort of official confirmation and legislation on that on that front. It's an interesting topic, actually, because. Age, uh, tenants are obviously looking for more energy efficient properties. Um, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, as energy prices increase, they want to be paying less, than an energy efficient property is the way yeah. to do that. Um, what What are your thoughts about about these changes? It with regard to consumer choice, and where do you think that this will will lead?
1: Yeah, I think you know the EPC upgrades is an interesting point. I mean. <laughs> I don't mean to to come across as too scaling on the government. They do have an awful challenge on their hands, you know, with all these external things going on. And obviously one thing that we haven't mentioned is global warming and the ongoing pressures um, that governments and you know, countries are under to reduce emissions. Um and of course, encouraging or even requiring more energy efficient homes. I mean, I think um I can't remember the exact stats, but I think homes, residential homes, are one of the biggest, you know, emitters of, of CO2 emissions um, out of you know even looking at transport and cars and other big industries you know homes are huge have a huge impact on on the CO2 emissions so absolutely the right direction to be going in Um, and I think you know EPC energy efficiency is one of those things isn't it that can actually create cost advantages he's like yes okay you have to um, you know upgrade your insulation you have to upgrade your kind of heating systems You're using more renewable sources where you can and so forth, um, which has its costs. Absolutely. But eventually, you know, that will pay back, especially in an environment where energy prices are higher. So I think, you know, overall, that's a good direction to go in. I think there just needs to be a level of um, sympathy with the fact that, you know, landlords are getting squeezed from multiple directions um, and perhaps easing the pressure on some of these other areas. And and putting more focus on these more long-term sustainable goals, I think uh, is is perhaps a quite a sensible move uh, to take. You know, so can you make more sort of taxation allowances for landlords um, and things like this, so that they can actually have more money to invest in energy efficiency for their their homes? Um, so I feel like you know that that should be taken into consideration. I think ultimately the overall math of being a buy-to-let investor. Is changing. And if it doesn't uh, continue to be an attractive place for investors to put their capital, they will move elsewhere and that will worsen the supply situation in the UK market. So, you know, there does need to be that sort of uh, holistic view of what's going on, you know, in order to achieve important goals like, you know, redu- reducing CO2 emissions and improving energy efficiency. And I think, of course, tenants will want more energy efficient properties because that will mean lower bills for them as well.
0: No, exactly. I do think that, as you say, a lot of these, a lot of these policies, they do. the The, the ultimate goal of them it is the right goal. It's just um, how that balance can be achieved to ensure that landlords can actually achieve those goals, um, and therefore make sure that there are plenty of homes available for tenants So those landlords want to stick around to provide those homes, um, which obviously exactly. is. Where you know, consumer choice that's what we're talking about today. Um, as that supply dips, then those choices become fewer for tenants, and so, um, again, supply dips, you know, demand rises and the, and the rents rise, and so on. So, it's yeah, exactly. uh, it, it is all very intrinsically linked together. Um, yeah, and
1: we're in danger of getting into a bit of a spiral of regulation on regulation on regulation because you know, when those um, when that happens, you know, there's a you know, supply crunch. Uh, Tenant choice gets impacted. Rents go up. You know there are. It's it's easy for a government to be pressured into knee jerk reactions. It's like oh we've got to stop this and we've got to. But you know of course because of that macro context, you know supply is going down, rents are going up. You know when you say okay no we're going to stop you charging those fees and we want you to have more energy efficient properties and you know we're going to review kind of section twenty one you know and things like this. It's like just things pop up in other areas that are even worse because you're not addressing the fundamental issue. And, uh, you know, the worry is that we get into this kind of snowball of regulation, which is not a good direction for the industry to be, to be going in. Um So I think there just has to be that awareness of that. And of course, um I think I might be preempting your next topic, but we, you know, the, the, the open letter uh, initiative that good Lord set up um, is a, is flagging that I think and I think it's a great initiative that the industry should really get behind.
0: No it's, it's true I mean that's uh, I think that you explained it all very well sort of the premise of, of the open letter which is looking at those pressures that are on the private rented sector currently um, and at the end of the day that the industry it does it's a full ecosystem it all has to work together and it all has to work together well so that um, the ecosystem survives really um, and that means that there have to be things in place to keep landlords in the sector, to incentivize them, help them actually meet these new standards, meet the required quality of homes and so on, to make sure that tenants do have that choice, um, to make sure that tenants can afford the home that they want. And at the end of the day, that's in everybody's best interest.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, 100%. And I think, you know, that's on the sort of regulatory agenda. And I think it's absolutely in the right direction, which is why we also supported that. But I think then, for you know people in the industry today, landlords, agents, you know, tenants scratching their heads and thinking, you know, what am I going to do about this? You know, I think the point about you know, being open-minded to new products, new technologies, new innovations is important because in this context, you know, that is an area where you can find opportunity, you know, whether it's for your business as an agent, you know, trying to optimize and, and operate at a profit. Whether it's your landlord trying to increase their sort of rental returns and their yield on their investment properties, or of course as a tenant where you're looking for those savings, all important savings to get the place that you want, you know, in an environment where rents, you know, are rising higher than we've seen in in recent years. So I think that is also, you know, on the in terms of what you can do today, because I think sometimes the regulatory agenda, there's lots of talk around it, but people sometimes disengaged because they feel like that change is too long term. So if you want to make action today, I think looking at these new products um, is, is definitely somewhere to start.
0: I think that's, that's a, a great summary and a great way to bring our conversation to a close on that uh, good bit of advice there. So, I mean, thanks ever so much, Ben, for for chatting with me today. I think that the topic of consumer choice, tenant choice, it's it's interesting because agents can find ways of understanding better ways to work with tenants going forward to find benefits for everybody, really. So thanks very much for for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.